The world is crazy, it's pretty clear. You need to know why, how it affects the lives of those we hold so dear. I can't explain everything, but together, maybe we can find our way. Aren't you tired of the violence, the hatred, the racism? We need a brand new day. And what about climate change, housing that's substandard but still unaffordable, and our public education system that favors some and leaves so many others behind? But who's going to pay? And then there are the jobs with wages so low they make you feel worthless as you struggle to pay the rent and all the other bills piled high. Yes, we need a brand new day. Is there enough hope among us to overcome despair? Enough wisdom to overcome ignorance? Enough generosity to overcome deprivation? Enough goodness to overcome all those who claim to be patriots but hate their government? We need a brand new day. That's right, a brand new day. This is Lehigh Valley Discourse, only on WDIY, and I'm your host, Alan Jennings. And that would be me. Once somebody, today nobody. Try it sometime, it's weird, retirement. But thanks to WDIY, our local NPR affiliate for, what, 30 years or so, I get to bring the important issues of our time to the collective diversity of people trying to make our world a better place to make it work better. This is the award-winning Jennings Report on WDIY, thanks to the Pennsylvania Association of Broadcasters, where WDIY recently hauled in some five awards, the same number as the big old KYW in Philadelphia. Most people who know me know that I'm consumed by music. I've seen hundreds of concerts. I've sat in the dressing room with Yorma and Jack of Hot Tuna. I've hung out with Greg Allman and David Bromberg, met the Ramones, Robert Palmer, Pure Prairie League, Warren Zevon, Dave Mason, and others. But in 1986, I organized a pop event of my lifetime, coinciding with Hands Across America, to raise money to respond to hunger and homelessness in our community. I was 28 years old and didn't want Tom Brokaw to point out that the cross-country human hand-holding event failed coming through the Lehigh Valley because of me. So I tried to excite participation by offering a concert that would reunite national hitmakers, Jay and the Techniques, and The Circle, as well as regional hitmakers, The Shillings. The show was on my birthday. I felt, it felt so triumphal that I went into a funk for weeks trying to figure out what I could do for an encore. And tonight, some 36 years later, I have Jay Proctor in the house on WDIY. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you. Jay really needs no introduction to anyone over about 45 years old when he came into the studio. Those over 45 jumped out the opportunity to say hello and shake his hand. His hit records went gold, and he collected those gold records on The Ed Sullivan Show on New Year's Eve in 1967. Jay, for the unhip among us, what was the song called, the first one? Apples, Peaches, Pumpkin Pie. Give a listen. <laughs> Apple, Peaches, Pumpkin Pie. Who not ready, Jay's second big hit, also gold. What was that one, Jay? Keep the ball rolling. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Keep the ball rolling. 
Techniques included John Walsh, Chuck Crowley, Danny Dancho, Carl Lipowicz, and Ron Goosley, all from the Allentown area. And the other singer, backup singer, was Lucky Lloyd. The record was produced by Jerry Ross on Mercury Records. I remember hearing them at McCungie Pool as I sat poolside at the age of, I think, eight or nine, playing the records on WAB and WKAP. Those of you who have been around long enough will remember those AM pop music stations. An interesting thing about the records is that only Jay was in the studio making the songs. They used session musicians on instruments, and the backup singers were, who are they, Jay? Uh, Melville Moore and... Uh, Ashford and, and Simpson. Ashford and Simpson. What was it like to be a star in the music industry? Surely the most famous thing to come out of Allentown in those days was Jay and the Techniques and, his, and their hit records. You were, what, 25, 26 years 20, old? 26. What was it like? Uh, it was it was it was all right. It was okay. I didn't you know I didn't I didn't do a lot of thinking about you know who I was and I just enjoyed the moment. You know I was just having fun. Well, you know I, I get a lot of attention for the work that I've done and I can you know I don't come close to anything that you you match. So I can imagine what it was like. You and Lucky are are black. The other guys in the band were white guys, and I think you were one of the first integrated bands to score a hit record. I um, I think. There was Sly and a Family Stone, but I think they came a little after you. I mean, was there any, did that fact that you had an integrated band, you know, the musicians, all white guys, the, the front men, African-American, does there any racial issues that came up as a result of that kind of a mix? Well, you know what? I was talking to my wife one day, and I said, you know, I never realized during the times that we used to rehearse together, this, this white band and these black artists, singers it never ever came up that we were black and white it just never came up until this day it never came up until we got into the business and uh we had maybe one incident concerning our race Uh well we had two one was we stopped at uh we were doing a bunch of army bases and we were driving and we were really hungry and it was in some southern town on a back road, and we saw this little light, and we it was uh-huh. a little restaurant. So we went in, and uh, I have to say that our road manager was Jewish. He was an old man. And we sat in one booth, Lucky and myself. Lucky's the, the other black guy. And most of the white guys sat in another booth. And uh, the guy came out, and he waited on them. Then he came to us, and he said, I can't wait on you. You know, oh I said, well, why not? He said, we can serve you in the back. I said, well, what do you have in the back room? Do you have some um, beautiful white girls that's going to dance for me? Or, <laughs> well, well, the white what, women on the- <laughs> Yeah, what, what's back there, you know? And the more I talked, the redder this guy's neck got, you know? Yeah. And uh, so my manager said, Jay, let's just go. I said, okay. So we huh. got in the car. And this, you know, on a back road when there's no light, it's black. It's yeah. pitch black. Dark. And yeah. then we, we're in the country. We don't know where the heck we're at. And you know you're in the south, though. <laughs> and I'm in the south. And I happened to turn around because I was in the back seat. And I turned around, and there was the biggest billboard i ever seen with four white horses with four Ku Klux Klan men on it. And it said, give to your local Ku Klux Klan. I was scared. Oh, my God. I, that scared oh me. Oh, my God. I couldn't wait to get, I said, yeah. get me 
Get me out of here, man, because I don't know what that guy would have called ahead and, you know, who knows, you know. But nothing happened. But you, that hear, was, you hear stories about how big-name artists were victims of all kinds of discrimination and, and racist treatment. Sam Cooke, in particular, had an, a, a famous incident in Shreveport, Louisiana, when the Holiday Inn denied him a room, inspiring him to write A Change Is Gonna Come, which is probably his biggest hit. You had an incident in Mississippi that was very different from that experience. Well, yeah, we were doing a two forty-five minutes uh, set, actually a show in this auditorium. It was, I think, it was Mississippi. And uh, while I was on stage, I noticed this white cop kept looking at me, and the way he was looking at me, and I was thinking to myself, "This guy, he don't know. I ain't scared of him. He, you know, other black people down here might be, but I ain't afraid, you know." And yeah. if he says something to me, he's going to get a load off of my mind, you know. And uh, sure enough, when the break time came and we did our 15-minute uh, intermission, he called me, you know. He said, Jay, come here. So I said, uh-oh, here we go, <laughs> you know. So I went over to him. I said, yeah. He said, look around. He said, what do you see? I said, well, I see a bunch of kids having a good time. He said, you know what I see? I said, no. He said, I see black kids and white kids together enjoying themselves. He said, I was born and raised here, and I've never seen that in my life. He said, you've done more today than Martin Luther King did when he came through here. That's such a great story. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so many elements of that that are just remarkable. And one of them is, you know, something that's kind of a lesson for me. I'm a political scientist, and I tend to operate on, on by the odds. You know, so for me, you don't expect something like that to occur. And so when it does, it sort of makes you shut up and think, you know, you can't, no, um, you can't. stereotype everybody. You know, no, just no, because he's can't. a white cop in the South doesn't mean he's a redneck Ku Klux Klan member, you know, and that Absolutely. sounds to me. Yeah, yeah, because that, that was my thought, you know. He's a white cop. He's going to say something to me, you know. And you he, are. And he did. <laughs> yeah. You, have, you live in a. A modest home in East Allentown. It's a beautiful little place. It's, but it's modest, you know. You're, you're a rock star. You'd expect that you'd be up in the hills of Hollywood. How did it work? I mean, you hear such horrible stories about, you know, a, an agent would put you on a salary, you know, 150 bucks a week for a 25-year-old kid was a lot of money. And then they'd keep all the, mo- the proceeds from the sale of your records. And if you sold, you know, a million records, that guy's doing pretty well, and you're still making $150 a week. How did that whole thing work for you? I mean, well, it's a, it's a it's a, a age old story, and the the one thing that I you know I I don't I'm not crazy about rap music per se, but I must say to to all who's listening that those young kids, those rappers, you can't do that to them nowadays. They're smart and they know business, huh. and you can't do that that stuff that they used to do to us back in them huh. days, and. I don't, you know, to me, uh, I don't blame the people who who did that to me as much as I blame myself. If I was smarter, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't allow them to do that to me. To me, you know? yeah. But you're a rock they, star, man. You were making money. You're having it a fun matter. time. It don't matter. I should have known better than instead of, instead of having a good time. I should have watched my money. Yeah. I should have. I've been should have been cognizant of what was going on around me. I didn't do that and. They took advantage of me, and to me, that's my fault. Huh. Is, do you see today's situation is different in any way over the 60 years? I mean, you, you've gone through so much in your lifetime. How are things different, if, if they are, from the, from that those times? On a racial thing, 
not really a whole lot difference. The the one difference that I see today is everybody's angry. Everybody's and they react to their anger. They go around beating up people and shooting people and I don't like you so I'm gonna kill you. Huh. We didn't do that back then. Yeah. We, you know, we had fights and disagreements and you know, it's like you said one day, you know, we were out having lunch, you said how do you feel walking into this place knowing that all these white people in here and they don't like you? And first of all, I don't think all white people don't like me. No, right. Second of all, I don't care where I go. There's always going to be somebody who don't who don't like you. As long as they don't bother me, I won't bother them. I, I just believe that I have people that I grew up with that I couldn't stand, but I never bothered them. I never tried to make them uncomfortable. I, I just, you know, when they were around, I walked away or... You know, just if you don't like me, fine. Leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. I won't bother you. I, you know, I think your perspective is so refreshing, Jay. And you know, I think maybe it's the wisdom of your years. I mean, you're you're now 80, 81 years old. You've seen a lot, and your perspective is refreshingly um, open-minded and 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 forgiving, uh, uh, very forgiving. I am not a forgiving person. That's one of the least, you know, that's, that's one of my real failings is that I, I, I carry grudges. But you just seem to, you know, move along and, and get it, you know, put it aside and not let it get in your way. I'm always impressed by that. Well, I, you know, if you do that, man, you, life will be harder. You know, you can't always fight back. You, you Sometimes you just got to walk away. You huh. know, sometimes you just got to. It's like you said that one time that this particular person, you know, didn't believe in what you were doing, you know. And like I told you, that guy's probably jealous, you know. Huh. You know, you can, you work, Alan, I've known you for over 30 years, and I've known you to always work for the underdog, basically. Yeah. And uh, there's always going to be somebody who's going to say something to you or, or, or ain't going to like you for for whatever reason. I remember standing on the street corner one afternoon, and we had just done the, uh, I think the Dick Clark American Bandstand in California. And it was aired later, and we were in the bar look, watching ourselves on TV. And I went out and stood <laughs> on the corner. This guy just walked up to me, and he said, hey, Jay. I said, what? You know, I sing better than you. <laughs> you know, I thought, well, you know, his, my answer to him was, maybe you do. But the difference between me and you is the world knows how I can sing. Don't nobody know yeah. you. And we're all <laughs> and, up, and nobody never even heard you and probably never will, you know. Yeah. Then I found out a couple of weeks later, a couple of days later, he can't sing at all. Huh. But he just wanted to knock me down. Yeah. You know, there are people that's who That's how just, you build yourself up sometimes is by knocking other people down. Well, it's, that's what they sad. do. You know, that's what people do. Yeah. And you have to know that and then don't react to everything somebody right. says to you. Right. Because there's always somebody. Yeah. You know, I've been pretty vocal about my disappointment that I couldn't do more for our world. And, um, you know, I know at the age of 81, you spend a fair amount of time kind of thinking about what, what you know, your world is and what it's been and, and so on. So with the kind of time that you have on your hands, do you spend a lot of time looking back with any regrets? I have regrets. I mean, but most of my regrets are the things that I regretted doing to other people. Huh. Sometimes I, I, something I said to someone or... Some something I said wrong to my mom at one point, or I, I'll, you know, I'm always asking God to forgive me for 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 something. Yeah. 
because, you know, I've, I've heard people say, man, if God don't owe me nothing, my life has been this and that, my life has been so good. And I think, yeah, right, you never did nothing wrong in your life, nothing that you ever regret. Yeah. Everybody regrets something. You bet. <laughs> because we've always done, we, you know, we're not perfect people. Right. Only God is perfect. So, you know, you're going to do something, and you're going to have to account for it sooner or later. And like I told my daughter one time, because my daughter, she's, she does she gets into this and that. And, and I told her, I said, you know, one day you're going to be sitting by yourself in the dark, and all those things that you, you think you got away with is going to come back, and you're going to think about them. I said, and you're going to wish that you had a, the, the chance to say to that person or that you know, that to forgive you, but they're gone. You can't say it. Right. So there you are, with you, you know, asking God for forgiveness. Well, few people know that you've continued to make music over the years, and you produced a, a CD recently that I was fortunate enough to be given a, a copy of, and, and there's a song on it that I was really particularly touched by called Still Got Flow. Music got you moving It's alright Let me tell you something I might have been down But you can't count me out And if you stick around I'll show what I'm all about And like I said before I still got a flow Sit back, relax Y'all enjoy the show I, uh, I need some help Talk about that song and what what it means. Well, it's just uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just it just came to me when when the guy said uh, my producer asked me. He says, "Jay, you want to write some stuff? You know, I'm going to do an album." I said, "Okay." So I started writing. I had never wrote songs before, and that particular song came to me, and I I thought oh, I'm, I'm going to write that, and so I wrote that, and it's about you know my life and. Uh, you Basically. talk openly about having been a rock star and now being something different, and I, I was really impressed by it. And, and um, well, you know, was what? it hard to write? It is. It is what it. You know, it was what it was. It is what it is. And you, nobody's gonna stay on top all forever. And I, I don't. I take the things as they come. I, it don't matter to me. You know, I'm, yeah. I don't look back and. Oh my God, I'm not a star anymore. You know, I, that don't bother me, man. You know what I mean? I, I I have a like you say I have a, a nice little house that I live in, a great wife. What more can you want? Right. I, I eat every day. I you know my bills are paid. I don't owe anybody. Everything in my home we own. You know right. we're not making payments on anything. How can how can you want any more than that? Right. And I'm recognized. You know, you know, I go places and people, Jay, you're, you're Jay from <laughs> Jane. You know, and, and, and fifty years just, later, yeah, and that's that's wonderful. You know, yeah, you have uh, you have songs that you liked a lot that you never got a chance to turn into a hit. You, you have Number Wonderful, for example. Is uh, what do you say about that song? That was a great song, man.
you know, what happened was, I think it was done in 1970, and it was done on a different label. Jerry Ross had just started his new label. And what it was was a disco, and it was a year before disco became popular. I hated disco music. If they had just <laughs> held disco back, that song would have been, huh. that song is a monster song, man. Huh. Oh, God, I love that song so much. Well, that, the show that you did with us for Hands Across America attracted 1,200 people. It was an amazing show. You had 13 people on the stage. All the original band members were there, plus additional talent from the local area that was you know, more current with their skills. You did an amazing show. You started with a falsetto, um, what do you call it when you don't have instruments? Keep, on keep acapella. The ball rolling, acapella of yeah. Keep the ball rolling. And I, I hope that I, you survived me and you can sing that again one more time. At my funeral, because uh, I just was, that was a really hot uh, little way to start that show. Yeah, that Try came, a little tenderness. Uh, yeah. You did some ma- amazing stuff. It was great work. Oh, thank you. You know, uh, what, that, what that was was the beginning for me to go back on the road. I had really retired from, from performing until you called me. And when we got back out there and we did that show, I thought, oh, I, I like this. Yeah. This is where I belong. So I continue for another 30 years. Traveling. Well, I'm proud to have played a little part in that. And you so did. I you, think well, that you were the big part of it, really. If you had never called it, I never probably would have never gone back on the road. You know. Well, the, you know, the story was really pretty amazing because you guys hadn't talked to each other in some cases for 15 or 20 years. Oh, no. Some of, some of the guys were never wasn't even in town anymore, you know, and I hadn't seen or talked to them. If you remember, we also had The Circle, and that was an interesting one. They didn't play, they only did four songs, but those guys had not talked to each other in 20 years. They lived, two of them lived like right down the street from each other. They didn't talk to each other for 20 20 plus years. Wow, that's crazy. You know, I I had to, I called up, uh, there was an article in Rolling Stone about, you know, where are they now type thing. And it said these two guys were doing commercial music up in New York. So I just called them, uh, you know, on cold. Danneman says, no, I'm not going to do it. We haven't talked in 20 years. And I bugged him and I bugged him. And he finally said, look, if you can get Tom Dawes to agree, I'll do it. Uh-huh. I called Tom Dawes. He said he was in. Went back to Don Danneman. He's in. Then I had to get the drummer and the, uh, the keyboard player. They were a doctor and a lawyer in like Detroit and Gainesville. And we put together a great little show. But, man, you guys just knocked it off a home run in a big way, grand slam, and I appreciate that. was a that. wonderful time. I love that show. Uh, I always yeah. appreciate you for that, Jay. So yeah. thanks so much. Jay Proctor, rock star of the Lehigh Valley and uh, one of my good friends. And Jay, I appreciate our friendship these many years and your talent. I love your songs and appreciate all you've done. Alan, I love you, man. And I love all the things that you've done for this town, this, the world, really. You know, it's, it's, it's your rare breed. There's not many like you. Thanks, Jay. And, I appreciate uh, that very much. Jay Proctor, thanks, Jay, for being on the show. My thank you to you, You're listening sir. to the Jennings Report on WDIY. This is listener-supported public radio. I'm your host, Alan Jennings. Stick around for my final thoughts. 
WDIY News engages the Lehigh Valley with accurate, unbiased reporting from many sources with volunteer real voices providing context and definition for thought. For WDIY News, I'm Sarit Lashinsky. For WDIY News, I'm Marcy Lightwood. For WDIY News, I'm Mike Flynn. Listen to WDIY News during Morning Edition, fresh air and all things considered daily here on WDIY, streaming on WDIY.org and on the WDIY phone app. The following thoughts and opinions do not necessarily reflect the thoughts and opinions of WDIY, its affiliates, and or its staff, members, and volunteers. Thanks for staying with us. These are my final thoughts. I voted on May 17th. I trust that you all did too. What a spectacle. Lisa Scheller snubbed this show, allowing Kevin Deliker to define himself as the only candidate interested in getting votes from among WDIY's listeners. If you're afraid to come on this show, do you have the necessary courage to argue your case in the chamber of the U.S. House of Representatives? Without exception, Ms. Scheller pushes all the hot buttons, making little effort to hide her extremist positions on race and anyone who needs help from the government. Pat Brown, perhaps the most effective legislator who ever represented the Lehigh Valley, apparently was toppled by a novice who supported Doug Mastriano for governor. Doug Mastriano, state senator who is so reactionary he almost seems like a cartoon character. Nobody has played the part of lapdog to Donald Trump like he has. He pushes all the buttons his lying, self-absorbed political mentor has. Why would someone want the endorsement of the biggest liars in political history? And why would you vote for someone who was endorsed by that liar? Party insiders wonder about that too, openly expressing concern over his ability to defeat popular state attorney general Josh Shapiro, his opponent in this year's election. The campaign for the newly redrawn 134th state legislative district was a tough one. Why would we take out someone with the experience of a four-term legislator like Pete Schweier to elect someone who is Latino? Well, because we want a legislator that looks like it's voters. But choosing someone based on race smacks to some of the racism that usually goes in the other direction. Schweier's opponent, Enid Santiago, who took a second shot at his seat, is an intelligent, well-spoken hellraiser who should have a future in our local elective politics. The critically important U.S. Senate seat in Pennsylvania, left open by the retirement of very conservative Pat Toomey, will feature at least one, if not two, unconventional candidates in John Fetterman and Dr. Oz. And finally, the newly created Pennsylvania Senate seat, the 14th District, is unresolved. A Democrat will face Republican Dean Browning, who has run for just about every office in the county. Folks, the radical right likes to say that the radical left is too effective and too successful. Are they serious? Do we even have a radical left? We clearly have a radical right, and they are determined to set us back decades. None of the progress we have made as a society, as a country, as a community, is safe. And the guns. What is with the guns? The militia that the radical right has in mind is anything but well-regulated. An apocalyptic militia, a militia of white people storming our capital, the very symbol of democracy in our world. These people are well-armed. The left doesn't have a chance in the event of anything resembling civil conflict. Nor do fourth graders or black people in Buffalo or any of the thousands before them whose names have been all but forgotten. How sick is it that the blood of our children is a price we are willing to pay to protect the right of basically white men to own and use semi-automatic weapons? The shooting in Texas was the 27th, the 27th school shooting this year. We're in June. 
The people who were supposed to be protecting the children were apparently too scared to do their jobs. Two kids, 10 years old each, smeared the blood of their fallen classmates on themselves to make themselves look more authentic as they played dead. How sick does our society have to be where that could even be considered, much less by a 10-year-old? How pathetic is it that Congress can't make even the slightest progress in controlling this madness because the Democrats can't find enough, even a few Republicans to get the votes needed to overcome a filibuster? Here's an example of how the red states, like the little red states like Kansas, Idaho, Wyoming, Nebraska, the Dakotas, by population, a small minority of Americans who have the same number of senators as populous blue states like New York, California, and New Jersey can control the agenda. Assault weapons have no place in the hands of civilians. They should be banned. If a gun is used in a crime, the shooter as well as the gun owner should have an automatic multi-year trip up the river. And the profits the gun companies make following each of these tragic events should be taxed at 100%. Take it all, every nickel, from these merchants of horror. Let's even abandon the Star-Spangled Banner, a militaristic ode to battle, in favor of America the Beautiful, or This Land is Your Land. All this is why every one of us must make voting the highest priority. Rise up! Reasonable Americans can't possibly believe that the lives of our children are worth the right to own an AR-15. If we do, then we have truly lost our way. Those are my final thoughts. I'm Alan Jennings, your host of The Jennings Report. On WDIY, thanks for being with us. Show you what I 
Make you feel the beat. 